What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Kist. Are you copy not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 119, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist, here with Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak, S-O-L-A-K. Usually, I'm a little bit more, what, jauntier, I guess would be the word. A little more color, a little more, a little more, you know, melody. This was a tough loss and a wild game. Of course, we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons, 24, Philadelphia Eagles, 20 in week two of the NFL season here. And there's so many different directions in which we can take this, so many different emotions from the game, from the highs of nearly pulling this off with a drive to take the lead. And then also just all the weird injuries throughout the game. And I was thinking, man, like, I I don't care that the Eagles are only down by four points at half. Everybody's hurt. This sucks. This is a long to this is bad. Carson's beat up coming out of the game, everything like that. And and then you get sucked right back into it because this team just does not quit right and they put themselves in a position to win at the end of the game and just boneheaded stuff happens and it just brings you right back down and you're like what what's going on ben right yeah all over the place right now and i think you bring up the good point in the sense that like this game people forget this was inches was a inexplicable matt ryan interception to of all people nathaniel white snake gary (laughs) white snake i like that this game was was that close to being 24 12 yeah it was 17 12 and that happened with no with no time like with no like uh, the start of the fourth quarter yeah two possession games side of the fourth quarter that's what this game was it was about to be i was totally accepting of that right that play goes two score game you know, the Eagles aren't able to score in the next drive. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, whatever. And it's a, listen, Carson was out for a drive. Al, Alshon and, and, and Deshaun both took about four snaps. Dallas Goddard, Goddard never saw the field. Sidney mm-hmm. jo- uh, Jones was out for a series. Jason Kelsey went to the wrong sideline. Right, exactly. So we just had uh, a, a slew of weird injuries. I mean, the Eagles had more people clear the concussion protocol than the average team gets injured in one game. Sidney Jones. In terms of the amount of... Yeah, the amount of people who were who had to go to the signs of Nelson Aguilar uh, after in, in in a key you know end of the first half situation to come off the field. Yeah. So Timmy Jernigan just goes into the 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 locker room at halftime and just doesn't come back out. Leaves with a walking boot, according to reports now that are coming out at the end of this game. Which is fantastic because so, it sounds so much right. like what what happened with Malik yeah. Jackson. And you're thinking at halftime you're seeing all those injuries. You're seeing Corey Clement comes out in in the second half. Right, Corey. And, forgot about and, Corey fumbles and hurts his shoulder and i'm thinking this whole right. time I'm like yeah it's great guys it's a four four point game this whole team is banged up like i i didn't there was a point where i was like i don't care if this is a is a win or a loss 
just like be competitive and whatever, but get like healthy. Right. And then we haven't even brought up the fact that Wentz was, did not look like he was at 100%. Even in the third quarter, fourth quarter, when he was out there making heroic plays, he didn't like, you know, he was not a happy camper. That was not a normal color skin tone that Carson Wentz was. <laughs> whatever they had him hyped up on, whatever adrenaline they shot directly into his heart I've seen in that. the locker room. And then as Chris Collinsworth, Chris Collinsworth was bringing up on the broadcast, Fletcher Cox not 100% back from a toe injury. As Jimmy Kemsky of Philly Voice and now BGN Radio was bringing up on Twitter, Ronald Darby does not look fully healthy. He was out there getting toasted on an island. And I'm here to tell you, like when, when Collinsworth, who... The, the merits of Chris Collinsworth have been something that I've discussed many times. Um, <laughs> but when, a, when, a, when an announcer like that is sharing those thoughts, to me it indicates that he was chatting with Fletch before the game, and Fletch was like, yeah, I'm not at 100%. Right. And somebody else, I think, said much the same about Nigel Bradham, who obviously didn't play for most of the preseason as well. So the Eagles were already a little banged up, and then this game was just the bang-up game. Like, obviously, like, you know, they lost four, five, they lost, they lost five players for the remainder of the game once they went out, all of whom happened at either the first snap of the third quarter or earlier. Mm. So it's five players lost mid-game. And then you had players like Aguilar, Peters, Kelsey, Carson, Sidney lost for like a play or yeah. a drive or something like that, right? Right. So just the the accumulation of the injuries was shocking. So at this point in the podcast, five or so minutes in, we're, we're going to discuss scheme. We're going to discuss specific plays. We're going to discuss what we usually do in matchups and, and, and things that stood out to us as good and bad or whatever. But just as a big umbrella asterisk, the Eagles lost by four points to a Falcon team that's talented. Didn't play a great game, the Falcons did, but right. a talented Falcon team with significant injury issues. Mm. And there's no reason to think that a loss to the Falcons indicates something about the course of the Philadelphia team long term for the season. Right. It's week two. A ton of teams are one and one. The Eagles are one of them. And they, they were one and one with at one point, like, you know, the Eagles spent the tight the timeout to keep Zach Ertz on the field. The Eagles were about to have three active wide receivers and no active tight ends. Like it was <laughs> like this was the bottom of the barrel in terms of what the Eagles had in terms in their personnel. So yeah. a loss, a lot of uh some good stuff that happened, some disappointing stuff that happened, a lot to break down. But from a pure like why the Eagles win, why the Eagles lose. I think the last drive, I think the second to last drive, I think every single drive would have been easier with Deshaun Jackson Alshon on the field. <laughs> so let's just like, like, you know, I, I think there are, and you can disagree, please feel free to, to me, there are no overarching takeaways about the team in general and especially about the offense after this game. I have right. no new actionable data in terms of the long-term projection because uh, Carson Wentz is probably not going to have to try to throw back shoulder fades to uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and hitch routes to Matt Collins, which he missed regularly throughout the second quarter because those are the wide receiver five and six or four and five. Yeah. And that's that's obviously not what you want those players to be doing. And so right. no, no overarching, you know, oh no, the team lost a game. Like I really just like, you know, if they had won, cool. We would have a lot stronger, perhaps, of a testimony on the resiliency of Wentz, which I'm sure will be a discussion here that we talked about in a second. Hmm. But they lost, and I'm very like, well, yes, they had 10 players go down. Yeah, I mean, this is something that me and BLG were kind of talking about throughout the game. He's like, I, I don't even know if I, I want to rewatch this. And I'm thinking, I really don't care to rewatch the offensive side of the ball because everything was so wonky. But I am interested in the defensive side of the ball. And of course, we're going to talk about Jim Schwartz just letting him hang for most of the game and kind of getting burned at the end there. And we'll break that down. But first, obviously, I want to talk about Carson Wentz because I want your opinion on this. Because after he got hit in the ribs, I thought it was very apparent, I think it was apparent to you as well, 
that something was up with him and his footwork, man, it was telling a story about a quarterback that was not comfortable in his own body for a while. And when they said that he was in the concussion protocol, I really had to question that because I don't think that was, I don't remember him getting hit in the head. Like maybe he did. Well, Right. So a lot of times when it's quarterback concussions, it's head to ground, not Mm. defender to helmet. Right. Like Carson got lambasted a lot. Yeah. True. And so, and you know, obviously like, you know, the, the the play that got highlighted. But but Ben. Right. Are you telling me? I, I agree. I agree. Okay. Now he got racked. On that one hit to the ribs, yeah. just I mean a body blow, and, he was and then I can't it. tell. Yeah, <laughs> I can't like identify a play for you where I saw Carson like smack his head on the back of the ground. I'm just saying he was getting hit and knocked down a lot. Fair enough. And so, if the concussion spotter, that's not his his job title. That'd be a bad job title. <laughs> if the man on the sideline who's responsible for ensuring the safety of the head plays, yeah, for the team, if he you know saw Carson just get whacked on the uh, like you know like uh, a whiplash motion, then they got to call him out and they got to test him for that. The rib shot. Here's what I think with the rib shot. Carson's had cracked ribs before. 2016 preseason, if memory serves. A hairline fracture as a rookie back in 2016. Right. He played through that entire half of preseason. Then they kept him out for the rest of the preseason just to be on the safe side. I don't know if he would have missed games if it was regular season or not. But that injury, he did definitely have that hairline fracture in his in his ribs in preseason yeah. his rookie year. My thing, My thing with the rib shot is this. I don't think there are many quarterbacks in the league with Carson's injury history or not. That would have gotten, again, sack of potatoes, just shoulder to the guts, and been like, cool, and mm. jogged off the field. Like, I think most regular human beings would have been like, you know, wincing a little bit and, and grabbing their ribs. Carson played demonstrably worse in the second quarter after he was getting pressure pretty significantly, which we need to have a conversation about Isaac Samalo. Yeah. But <laughs> that demonstrably worse play has three factors to it. Mm. One, complete shift in targets yep who is he throwing the ball to right because we look at a desmond trufant interception where carson like looked like he was trying to make a hero play on a scramble and the ball was short we say okay well you know carson's like falling away from this ball and he's throwing it and it looks super inaccurate right we don't know if there was supposed to be an adjustment on the route there's a clip on my timeline where carson audibles at the line to jjr sega white or thega white side and our thega white side doesn't correctly read the audible and after the snap Carson kind of gives him a little fingers to the eyes like you got to look and check with me at the snap if I'm giving you a hand signal it means you got to change your route because I'm reading coverage pre-snap correct factor two he's hurt when 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 quarterbacks are hurting because like I'm sure getting you know nailed in the ribs hurt they're gonna fade away from pressure they might adjust their throwing motion to you know like subconsciously to alleviate the pain he's hurt of course he comes back out in the second half things happen in the locker room doesn't seem as hurt anymore (laughs) Right. You know, this is the sad reality of of the NFL is that we can we can put pain to sleep for two hours pretty easily. Just give us 15 minutes in the locker room. Right. And then number three. So we have new receivers. We have hurt. And then number three, we have just, you know, the general skittishness of pressure. Just the general like I've been under duress all game. And so like Carson's footwork was erratic at the second quarter. Uh, He looked like he was jumping around a little bit on that one that sitting interception from Desmond Trufant. Very typically for Carson Wentz, he's adjusting his drop location to that slide protection when he knows he's going to that side, and he just didn't. And that's what left him in a place where he had to fade away from the ball. And so, like, there's, you know, there's 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 footwork concerns there. So you have three factors that make up the pieces of the pie of Carson's really bad second quarter. I don't want to call his first half very bad because I really don't think he missed anybody terribly. 
the one bad play he had in the first half was the interception, which was basically an arm punt where it was third and they're not going to go for it on fourth down. And Carson had one-on-one coverage where I think a white side down the field and chucked up a prayer while he was getting hit. Hmm. I really don't think Carson makes a different play next week. I think yeah. it's the exact same thing. So really bad second quarter after that initial hit on that first interception. Those are the three pieces of the pie. To what degree each one impacted it, I don't know. Because I don't know how, how healthy Carson was. I don't know, you know, if it was skittishness, if he was pushing, if he was frustrated, there was clearly some frustration. Uh, and then obviously the, the communication with the receivers. So those are all factors in there. So it's very tough to say why Carson struggled what he did. Obviously, the first half wasn't good. Obviously, the second half was a lot better. Yeah. Now, the Eagles weren't really attempting any passes downfield. It was hitches, slants, no, some Nelson Aguilar throws, which we can talk about. <laughs> but they weren't like it wasn't like super complex route concepts and everything like that ball was getting out of Carson's hands pretty quickly. So they simplified the offense goes back to the wide receiver thing. Um, Carson obviously looked much better in the second half. And so the concussion thing aside, Carson's second quarter was concerning. But to see him bounce back in the second half, either he's healthy slash was drugged up or he, he kind of did what, what Carson's becoming known to do, which is when the going gets tough, he guts up and he gets going, um, yeah. which is obviously can be gut wrenching to watch at times but is also thrilling, yeah. you know, from a fan perspective. You don't want the guy to be hurt. You don't want him to, to put himself in danger. But, I mean, the third down conversion to Mac <laughs> Hollins is the stupidest play in the entire world. Yeah. There's just, there's, like, they see, like, oh, that's like Ben Roethlisberger. No, it's not. Roethlisberger doesn't do that. He does <laughs> He does a move like he that. Does, he, he does things Wentz doesn't do, but he doesn't do that. That's Wentz like. And I'm probably a little bit more down on the second quarter of the first half from you. And I'm worried about more long term impact from what I think was an injury that was not a concussion in the first half. I mean, I can't think of any half in which and I'm not just talking about quarterback rating, but just any half in which Carson really looked that bad. And a lot of it, like you said, has to do with the different receivers that were in and out and the people that he trusted. But he didn't always have you know a bomb receiving crew throughout his career. So I thought there were some accurate issues issues there. And I really Really just thought it was an abysmal first half just front to start for, for the offense but like you said the throw on third and nine inside Atlanta territory 17 to 12 you're deep in the fourth and just releases it before his knee hits the ground and finds Mac with a shockingly accurate throw it's special stuff it really is special stuff and like I said on the timeline you can talk about Wentz needing to protect himself more so in general and I think that's fair and that's that there's merit to that but not when the game is on the line in that situation. And that's where you really want to see it. And that's where Wentz really showed that. And then you have Wentz going ahead with the craziest sequence of plays that gave me the worst deja vu that I've had watching a football game. Where on fourth down, he finds Aguilar. Of course, Peterson's going for it. There's, there's no question there. Finds Aguilar in the back of the end zone. Then they go for two. And they do the read option. And he dives in the end zone head first. And the dive was just so eerily similar to the Rams situations where he went like my heart freaking stopped number one you knew Doug was going for it on fourth you know he's going for the two-point conversion I love the guy we seen too much cowardice around the NFL we're going to talk about it when we get into our week three preview with the Detroit Lions but Doug is cut from a different cloth there was never a doubt in his mind but as this thing gets rolling man I mean then you have the 54 yard go-ahead touchdown Julio Jones burns him burns Jim Schwartz on a I'm cover not ready zero to blitz. talk about this play. I'm not ready. You're not. You're not ready. You want to keep it on Wentz? We'll keep it on. We'll go to you defense after the break. No. <laughs> I'm like I know a lot of people are happy that Schwartz blitzed more, and I will say that in his blitzing, I liked the way he did blitz, which yeah. was all between the guards. 
Mm-hmm. All in, in in between the tackles. Yeah, I'm gonna open a gap. Right. I'm gonna send a guy through the gap, and then I'm, I'm gonna give that look late. I'm not gonna. Right. I'm not gonna show it right away every time. Yeah. And let's not forget that the Falcons have had significant Issues. shifts, change ups, and uh, movement in the interior offensive line. Right. Lindstrom not starting. Lindstrom out for this game. So you're testing communication problems. Ido Smith, second second year player, missed a, a, a blitz call pickup that allowed Sandejo to come up free. So I like the way he blitzed. But the thing is that like. When you blitz, you're implying that you have the secondary talent to cover one-on-one. And so when you give Matt Ryan, who has not had a good night, but has been in the league for 10 years, on a critical fourth and three, when you give him a zero look, a zero look, right? Not even like a single high, maybe we're going to do something. A zero look where it's just man up on man up. Like, here's, here's here's what... is important about that. There's nothing you can do in that look other than play man coverage. Right. So on fourth and three, you've told Matt Ryan, I am playing man coverage. And now Matt Ryan looks and sees Rasul Douglas on Julio Jones. Yeah. That's a win for the Falcons. But Rasul's been playing pretty well so far. He's been playing really great up at the line of scrimmage, being physical with Julio Jones. Jim Schwartz, listen to the podcast. <laughs> Puts Rasul Douglas up in the line of scrimmage. That's where Rasul's going to be the most effective. But on this particular down, Rasul is off the line, about six to seven yards, fourth and three. Why? On top of that, the slot corner, Avante, is right up on Mohamed Sanu. That's ideal. Why is that ideal? Because it means Maddox is is, is sitting on the line for Jake Matthews to go get, mm-hmm. right? Matthews is not going to have to tag Maddox on the move. Maddox is already right where Matthews wants him to be. Mm-hmm. So now we've got... Julio with a cushion, so we know Rasul Douglas is not going to be jumping the Sanu block. And Maddox is right where Matthews can be to just wipe him. This is the easiest check. Because Ryan checked the play the line. Mm-hmm. This was not the called play. It might have been packaged, but this was not the called play. Yeah. This is the easiest check of Matt Ryan's career, and it's the deciding touchdown in a one-score game. Yeah. And what's what's frustrating is that if you're going to do that, if you're going to go cover zero, look at me, I'm playing man coverage, What's again, what's implied here is that you have the defensive backs to do that. You have the defensive backs to play man coverage on Julio Jones and survive, which you don't. Yes, you've successfully covered him in the red zone in the past two games. That's been dandy. But you don't. You do not want, on a fourth and three with the game on the line, Rasul Douglas on Julio Jones. On one-on-one coverage with no safety help. That is not what you want. Full stop. Especially when you make it so obvious. You make it so obvious that you're blitzing, and that's why you could check to that call and get that extra blocker out exactly. there. Exactly. That's why I'm saying. It's the easiest check in the world for Matt Ryan, because yeah. he, he's not going to be wrong. There, the, there's nothing the Eagles can bail to out of that look that will surprise Ryan and beat that screen. And yeah. you might ask, why is Rasul Douglas six yards off the line on fourth and three? Well, it's because he's one-on-one with Julio Jones with no safety help because he rotated the safety off the line of scrimmage. And he needs to, you know, protect himself from Julio Jones doing that thing where he runs very fast down the field before he gets the ball. This time he did it after he got the ball. But he's Julio. Honestly, have fun pressing him, too, if he's going to run that nine route because you better get a good jam because Julio's pretty good at releases. Schwartz coached that second half humbly in the sense that it was no longer just we're going to rush with four. He decided that we're going to send blitzes. I know that you're big on that. I'm not as big on that. But it was humble because Uh, you remember to just you're bigger on it than I am. I mean, you remember a discussion we had last year. I'm bigger on it when you disguise it, when you, when you do the things where you right. bring Sendejo coming free and everything like that. I am not a fan of showing the other team, we have six up here at the line. We are obviously in man coverage. I don't like that at all. And that's right. what they did. Isn't that right Julio Jones? Yeah. Remember Julio Jones? I'm not just saying blitz in general is fantastic. No, I, no, know. I Yeah, right. yeah. 
I didn't want to paint you with a broad brush. That, right, that, right. That, that's an ancillary point. The the, <laughs> the idea here being that I thought Schwartz coached it humbly because he decided to blitz more, and I think he needed to blitz more because they weren't getting pressure with four hmm. as consistently as they wanted to to generate the turnovers that they were generating, which two of the three interceptions were pretty nicely the result of, of a blitz, right? The Nate Gary one, not so much. But the other two certainly had a pressure aspect to them, inaccurate ball, so on and so forth. So humble coaching in the second half, deciding to send more pressure when he really needed it. And I appreciate that. But this was a circumstance in which you invited the Falcons and Matt Ryan to get rid of the ball early and quickly to one of their playmakers in a very key, key advantageous situation for them. To me, that's just poor situational coaching, which if I have a complaint with Jim Schwartz, who I have defended many times, who I do not think the Eagles should be anywhere close to firing, as we talk about every week, it's situational coaching, especially on late down, especially late in games, where there seems to be some perplexing decision making. And this was an example. So two plays that drove me nuts from an execution standpoint were that one and then the fourth and eight, which Zach Ertz caught a seven and a half yard ball. Yeah. Because for a player of Zach Ertz's tenure and success this is a single season receptions for a tight end leader Might record holder in the league plenty of experience on fourth and eight to go eight yards down the field and turn around i was flabbergasted and we're going to talk about it more here on the kiston solak recap show when we come back from break excuse us while we pay some bills and then we'll also get into some ronald darby his wild ride of a night and of yeah. course Three words from the gentle listeners that we asked for. Mike, from at guess right now, right before the break, how many three words do you think we have? How many responses? Usually the most angry shows, like after losses, we get the most. So the wins are lower. They're around 100. I would say for the lot, but we're on 200? We're right at 195 right now, <laughs> 30 minutes in. Do I know the gentle listeners are what? Okay, so we'll be back and we'll get to all of that right after this. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back here on the Kissed and Solak Show, recap show of the Eagles and Falcons, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kissed here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, you already kind of talked about it. Let's get to the end of this game for the offense with the fourth and eight. But before that, the reason that the Eagles were in that situation is because Nelson Aguilar streaking up the sideline just decides he's not a wide receiver on this play. And the weirdest thing about it, some jagoff is going to criticize Wentz and say, well, you had more chances after that, blah, blah, blah. That's whatever. Look, Wentz should have had two touchdown scoring drives. And at the very least, at the end of the game on the fourth night, should have had his chances extended. But Aguilar drops a sure touchdown, just heartbreaking. And then on fourth down, He's the one that comes down with the rainbow. Eagles are set up in a situation where they're still alive, down four points. 
and they're driving down the field trying to win the game again, even though it should have already been, you know, at a spot where the defense is going to be on the field. And Zach Ertz runs to the sticks at eight yards, comes back to catch the ball. He's a half yard short. You don't put that on Wentz. Wentz threw to the open guy where he should have been. If he was a half yard back, he would have been totally fine. It's like you said, it's flabbergasting that a, a, a tight end of Zach Ertz's caliber is just that short. And I understand, you know, you don't have the first down line on the field as you're running your sure. route. But but it's fourth and eight brother, with the game on the line in the red zone. Brother. I promise you he knew the yard marker. Yeah, the landmark. Like, uh, yeah, right. exactly. So it, it's, it's wild that it came to that. Carson Wentz, in my opinion, you can put as much as you want on him in the first half, and then you can reconcile how much you want to blame him with if he was hurt or not. And then you can kind of decide if you want to be angry at him if he was hurt and all that. But at the end of the game, Carson Wentz right. was out there getting it done. And just other circumstances happened because football is chaos mm-hmm. and wasn't able to. What, what were your thoughts at, at the end of the game? Because that was just one just wild roller coaster of a game, man. Right. So, I mean, the, the young man has some chutzpah to him. Yeah. He just, like, this is a roller coaster to watch. Like, Wentz by no means was good last night. As I said, I couldn't tell you what the what the pieces of the pie, what percentages they made up in terms of how much of his poor play was, like, him being skittish under pressure, which has been an issue before when he's been healthier versus, you know, uh, him being unhealthier versus the wide receivers. So, I don't, I don't know that. But I, he didn't have a great game. Maybe he was missing receivers still in the second half as well. He was also hitting receivers. The like, We talked about the, the third and nine conversion to Mac Hollins. The fourth and 14 to Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> Silly. The physical toll that this dude took is emblematic of not only his 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 play style and his upbringing and his demeanor and his mentality for this. He's just such a tough dude. But it's also emblematic of what went into that touchdown spike when he scored on that uh, sneak on first goal. A lot goal. of emotion. Yeah. I mean, Wentz is pissed. Yeah. You know, I don't think Carson's gotten pissed. Like, I think he's a little bit too nice to get pissed. But whatever pissed looks like for Carson, he is. You know, because you very clearly see a player here who wants to earn a lot of what he... I don't want to say feels like he's been given. I can't put myself that clearly in his shoes. But the Eagles won a Super Bowl and Carson Wentz didn't play in the entire playoffs. The Eagles went to the playoffs the next year. Carson didn't play in the playoffs again. He also didn't get him into the playoffs. That was Foles. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot that's happened good to the Philadelphia Eagles organization that Wentz hasn't been a part of, and he really wanted to be a part of something good tonight. For sure. And that's what makes the Aguilar drop so disappointing is that, of all things, Carson deserved it. Carson deserved that touchdown. Would have been a big moment for him with a depleted supporting cast, with zero running game where your top two backs average less than three yards per carry. You're hurt. You're banged up. You find a way to beat a talented football team, and right. Aguilar just drops it, and Ertz runs short. That you know, six six to seventeen, Wentz grabbed that team by the you know rear end and and pulled them up through some muck. Like he he yeah. got this team back. Let's not forget that on that go ahead drive, Wentz was eight for eight for seventy two. Mental toughness, audacity, and the fearlessness. And the never say die attitude like third and once is a real thing because Carson's just so comfortable on that last down because there's there's no real there's no give up in that cat. And that's a really exciting thing to watch. It's a fun thing to root for. And critically, as we're discovering in the locker room quotes that are coming out, something that matters to teammates a great deal. Like there's a gushing over Carson Wentz's performance tonight, not from a on field talent perspective, but from a 
a resiliency and... perspective. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. you know, that's that's not only laudable, it's valuable from a team building perspective, from a belief perspective, that's going to keep you in games you don't belong in. Aguilar said he lost that drop in the lights. That's tough. <laughs> that's bad luck. Yeah. I mean, that look, if, if, if that's true, we don't Here's know. Here's my thing. It could be an excuse. Yeah. Brother. My thing is this. <sighs> Bread basket. Right. So your hands. The, you know, it's 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 right there. The lights brought it to your hands. Yeah. <laughs> right. But light lights excuse didn't work for Donnell Pumphrey in the <laughs> second preseason game in twenty eighteen. So lights don't get to work for Aguilar. Wow, um, you held on to that one. Right. I pulled that one out of nowhere. I have two other notes about the offense. One I mentioned earlier. Go for it. Isaac Samalu. Bad game. Toasted by toasted. Really good game last week. Bad game this week. Yes. Not only by Grady Jarrett though, but also by Tyler Davidson, who we were yeah. not like you know, no, both of us were not like, ah, pass rusher Tyler Davidson. And Decent. then Alan Bailey, who I who I complimented for his interior rushes. Uh, Sam Malu really, really struggled. One of the worst games he's played since he took over the starting job around this time last year. Worst player on a good line. Uh, and that's kind of how we framed him before. Yeah. It's, so it's, it can be tough to tell just how good he is in isolation in, in today's game. I mean, he was getting beat around the bush. I think that not dissimilarly to when the Eagles offensive line was quote unquote struggling to start last year. There'll be some undue criticism to the offensive tackle specifically and Jason Peters and Lane Johnson because Carson was moving off his spot so right. much. Like Carson just was not in the pocket. It just makes your job so much harder as a tackle. Like, you know, Vic Beasley got a sack by just running as far around Lane Johnson as he could yeah. because Carson had to bail and he bailed into Vic Beasley's lap. And like, yeah. you know, a lot of like, like I think that we're all getting better at acknowledging that, but I think that there's still going to be some undue criticism. Like tack had a really good game against Jason Peters, but Peters was putting tack behind Wentz pretty frequently. Correct. Uh, and, and, and that's how Peters has been playing for the past few years. Yeah. Really, so like, Wentz knows, but Wentz yeah, won't go to exactly. that spot unless he has to. And Wentz wants to climb there. It, right. He's not able to climb as easily when he's losing to interior pressure. Then he's got to roll and he's got to move back. And that's when the sacks come that way. Yeah. And that's why I really want them to put him in the gun, in under center a little more, under gun a little bit less, and roll him out. Because I really think he'd be good in those situations. But this is a different conversation. Yeah. The last thing would be, you drafted two offensive weapons in the second round last year. J.J. Arthega-Whiteside and Miles Sanders. Mm -hmm. Now, because your team is so deep, and this is the thing that we talked about. Oh, the team is so deep. <laughs> you didn't need these second round offensive picks to like be a huge part of the offense, right? A.J. Brown was a second round pick at wide receiver. He's a huge part of the Titans offense. D.K. Metcalf, second round pick wide receiver. Huge part of the Seattle offense. Uh, was there a running back picked in the second round besides Miles Sanders? Maybe. I'm sure he's a big part of their offense. I don't know. Like, like other teams need day two offensive weapon picks to be a big part of the offense. The Eagles didn't need that. But tonight, all of a sudden, they did. Miles Sanders is now, by you know the most touches, 10 carries, 4 targets, so four, and 3 receptions. So 13 touches on 14 looks for Miles Sanders, most of any running back. And then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside steps up into the wide receiver 2 role after... Deshaun and Alshon go down. Neither was very good. And you'd like to see more from your second round rookies, even if you're not prepping them to be starters, even if they're not getting reps from the ones, you'd like to see more, especially from a player like Sanders, who simply does not run with discipline, which has mm. been the issue for him since he came out of Penn State. And we've known this for a while. We saw it on the first run. It was obvious to everybody. Yeah. Right, 10 for 28, and he's just constantly looking to get outside of the defense. Mm -hmm. And NFL defense's pursuit is a lot better than those Big Ten defenses were, and he's <laughs> something he's got to learn. He's not running away from TJ Edwards at Wisconsin, brother. Right, and then Ortega Whiteside, simply, like, you know, like the miscommunication on the route. He was the target on the, inter on the interception. 
a, a non-factor in a day where he took a significant number of snaps was regularly on the field in the second half. You'd like to have seen more from those two players. Those, those are the remainder of my notes on the offense. Yeah, for the defense, I want to touch on Ronald Darby. Darby had a fascinating three-play sequence in the first half of the game there in the second quarter. The first, the first play, Julio runs a double move. As soon as I saw the double move, I'm like, oh, man, come on, Darby, please stay with this. Don't, I don't want to hear about right. it. I don't want to hear about the all that stuff. He stays with it. He's in there. Like, it was, and it was a good spot for Atlanta to run that double move, too, because you're at third and six. So you're trying to bait Darby into breaking to the sticks. But Darby stayed patient, stayed in phase, recognized that the ball was going to a spot where he was going to have to turn because he wasn't going to be able to make a play on it the way he was. Julio makes a ridiculous catch, and that's just routine for him, and Julio's going to be Julio. I thought Darby could have done a better job attacking his hands in the air instead of trying to kind of, like, shield it in that stance. But, like, if that's on him, like, Julio's gotten every corner in the universe like that, so no big deal. They come right back to it, scramble drill with Matt Ryan, and Ridley is on a little out route. Darby has him covered. And all of a sudden, Ridley streaks up field, and Ryan misses him on a throw. He got beat on that one overthrow from Ryan. Third one after that, like it was bang, bang, bang. They ran a post. The Eagles are coming with cover zero, right? So they're bringing heat. It's third down. He squat. You could tell there's a hesitation where Darby squats. You talking the the Calvary touchdown? The no, the Hardy one. I mean, there's a lot going on with with Darby tonight, brother. The Hardy one where right. Matt Ryan overthrew it because that cover zero bliss was oh, coming in. And okay, we were talking yeah. about like different okay, I'm quarterbacks. There, I'm there, I'm there. Yeah, like the duality of Wentz where like, do you want a quarterback that's gonna that's gonna put his body out there? Because Wentz will step into that throw and take the shot and get hurt. Ryan kind of fades off of it. Hardy beats him on the post. You know, Darby's kind of sitting on the intermediate route because he's hoping pressure's gonna get there. And Ryan just kind of overthrows on a rainbow. And then well, right after that was the 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 Matt Bryant missed field goal. So you're thinking, whew. All right, Darby right. got out of this one, and then it's just like it, it was such a weird game for him. And then he got a pick and showed off that he actually had a hands, but it was like the easiest like breadbasket interception that you could possibly have. So just a wild night from the defensive backs. The corner sent Dejo looked ugly at first. I think he kind of settled in as the game went along. Um, still, though, like not not fantastic. So what did you think of the uh, the defensive backs there and the, some of the plays that I was talking about? They're, they're posting a video of Zach Ertz talking in his locker, and he looks so sad. And now I feel bad that I said mean <laughs> things about him. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Snap to it, Ben. Pay attention, brother. All right. I agree. I agree with the idea that Darby is probably not 100% healthy. I disagree with the idea that this makes him worse than the other Eagle Corners. It hasn't been great play from anybody for the first few weeks, uh, first two weeks here for for the Eagles Corners. Darby, off coverage. I agree. Strong on the double move. Losing the post was definitely an issue in terms of the Justin Hardy play. Yeah, and what, then, did you, what did you think of the one where they're playing quarters with Sandejo? Because there is a, there, in quarters, there is a possibility that Sandejo is going to take have to take an underneath route. And even though there wasn't anything threatening Sandejo, Dar- does Darby necessarily know that? Sure. Does Darby know he's not going to get you, any if, help? If you're right, if you if you ask any offensive coach in the entire world, hey, they're running straight quarters. Yeah, what are you hitting them with? Skinny post from the outside wide receiver, uh, a deep out and a skinny post. I mean, it was the Jordan Matthews touchdown from last year against the Titans. They were running right. the cover four because well, it was right. going to take the safety out. Right, but uh, okay, but on the Jordan Matthews touchdown against the Titans, they had something to hold the near safety. Sandejo had nothing. (laughs) There's nothing. There's nothing. Sandejo had the tight end release into the flat and the running back release upfield. There's nothing, and Sandejo's closing upfield. There's like, I don't know. Like I, this is this is where I, I, I one hundred percent I one hundred percent agree with you that Sandejo should have been dropping into that right. zone. 
does Darby know that? How much blame do you put on Darby? Because I don't sure. know if Darby can expect to have that help. Right. I'm just saying, like, if you're looking at cover four, mm-hmm. then then you're that that bang eight post. No, it's not a bang eight post. That deep skinny post is you expect it to be open. That's a disadvantage to every corner in the world. You yeah. know what I mean? That's the route that's going to get you because you don't necessarily have true deep middle help. So I don't fault him too much for it. I'll yeah. put it to you this way: what we've seen from Darby. Or of his career with the Eagles, I'm not surprised that that was a route he got burned on. That's the route he's got burned on before. Eagles and Sadejo stepping up. This is where this is where, and I, this was like kind of what behind what I tweeted out when that route was completed for a touchdown. I tweeted out, "Ah, look, a route behind the Eagles' safeties." Oh, <laughs> never seen this before. <laughs> We've talked about this so much, yeah, to the point where I just want to know what's being coached, right? For because Sadejo. Has played in the league for a long time. So how he knows how to he knows how to play quarters. What is he? He doesn't not know. Yeah. Right? That's like, not there's no him. way. Right. Corey Graham was making these mistakes. Sendejo was making these mistakes. We so regularly see deep routes get behind the Eagles deep most safety. That yeah. is is there just a theory between Undlin, Eagles defensive backs coach, and Jim Schwartz? That just there's more inherent value in having the safeties squat over the top of intermediate routes than there is hang on deep routes. Like we all make fun of Greg Williams for putting his his deep middle safety 30 yards back. Jim Schwartz is doing the exact opposite of that. Right. And then just that doesn't necessarily mean I'm not saying that means it's good because it's the opposite of a bad thing. At least it's kind of like a there's a healthy middle here. But just we every week now. A a deep route is completed over the Eagles' deep most safety. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that that's coincidence. It can't be <laughs> that these players are so undisciplined and so poorly coached. Like, Underland is, is viewed as, like, a good defensive backs coach in the league. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if they're being told that, like, you know, like, feel free to play up and, like, the corners are going to have these responsibilities. Like, because we're calling this quarters. We're, we called that cover four. We don't really know what the call is. And so we don't really know what the checks are. Is Jim Schwartz just saying, hey, brother, Darby can run with him. Don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> it's a, that's my thing. Which... No, he can't, right? <laughs> but and so this is this is the frustrating thing with when it comes to the Eagles and the safety depth. This is yeah. why, you know, you and I reviled Corey Graham for years. Sendejo <laughs> is here, but even then Sendejo is 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 a one-year veteran rental who is not signed by any other team for a reason. Right. Not a not a not a consummate great football player. He's the best safety through the Eagles have had for a while, and that's good. And he made he's made good plays in in practice preseason. He had a blitz that was nice. Of course, you know, Miss Vernon Davis tackle turns into a touchdown. Closing in on quarters coverage when he could have gotten deep and yeah. helped on a deep route gives up a touchdown. So there's been some bad plays in the early goings. Yeah. But he's the best safety through the Eagles have had in a while, especially under Schwartz. It's just very curious. Keeps happening that a everybody. team yeah. that plays Malcolm Jenkins not at safety <laughs> would continue to not have a third safety given that Jenkins does not play safety plays linebacker you know you know the funny thing Ben we were talking about the other day when Deshaun Jackson burned the Eagles in week two last year that was that was a post to Deshaun Jackson on play action Jenkins flew was deep safety flew towards the intermediate route he was supposed to help on that Mills had no chance What's going on? It happened to Jenkins, that's, too. That's my point. Is that Jenkins we, not a dumb-dumb? Every week, Michael, I sit down with you and I ask, <laughs> how did this deep safety get around? Like, like dial it back to fifth grade football. All right. What are you told about safeties? Nobody gets behind Nobody gets you. behind me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles' safeties are regularly have receivers get behind them. Flying in the face. Is that a that. mistake every yeah. week? 
And if so, how's it not been corrected? And if it's not a mistake, what's the theory behind it? Yeah. Um. So, Maybe. so the, the 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 overarching idea here, the 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 statement, the take that links these two frustrations: uh, Russell Douglas, Julio Jones, zero cover, zero luck, touchdown on a screen, and Ronald Darby getting burned on deep routes. It's is the same. The, right. Is the Eagles and Jim Schwartz call defense, and this is not anything new, as if they had premier talent at corner. They don't. They don't. And so they lose one-on-one matchups on the outside regularly because the way the defense is called puts the corners on islands and asks them to win one-on-one matchups. I repeat what I, what I love to say, which I think every Eagles fan needs to know and understand. The goal of Jim Schwartz's defense is not to get pressure with four. Commentators tell you that, they're lying to you. The goal of Jim Schwartz's defense is to be plus one in the box against the run. That is what he dies for on every snap. And that's why corners are out there one-on-one against receivers. Because Jim Schwartz needs eight guys in the box against seven-man fronts. If that means Rasul Douglas one-on-one against Julio Jones, it means Rasul Douglas one-on-one against Julio Jones. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But the Schwartz defense, if it was about pressure with four, Eagles would run a lot more zone. They don't. And they also wouldn't have their box defenders being so late to cover those curls in those underneath zones towards the sideline as well that consistently eat up the Eagles. So it's same old Schwartz and as much as credit uh, I'm going to give him for kind of adjusting and coming out of his shell and setting a blitz. There are still, of course, inherent issues with the defense. Okay, I I have one more thing that I want to ask about because I actually didn't see this. Okay. Corson Wentz giving himself up on the second, on the two-point conversion, diving forward. What's the deal here? That There's a rule for that. The rule now is if quarterbacks dive forward, they're giving themselves up. And so once they touch the ground, even if they haven't been touched... By defender, they're down. Right. Before where it was only the slide where they would be down, where they... It's odd. The NFL just... They're afraid of lawsuits. I don't know what's going on. So he can't... He can't (laughs) die for a first downer for the goal line. I don't... Yeah. Right. If you want to protect the player, shouldn't you encourage going to the ground? Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Stay upright and like chuck a linebacker? Like, is he want to hit stick somebody? I think they're worried about quarterbacks leading with their head. I don't know. Because let's... 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 If we do some quick math here... That two-point conversion, it's 22-24 or 22-25, depending on if the Falcons choose to go for two after they score the touchdown. But a field goal, which the Eagles were in field goal range, wins or ties that ball game if the Eagles get that two-point conversion, which I need that rule to be explained to me very slowly and with diagrams. But anyway, that's my last take on the thing. And then we would be yelling at Jake Elliott for missing the kick at the end. How dare you? He hit hit two (laughs) field goals inside of the 50. I don't want to hear anything complained about Jake Elliott ever again. Kryptonite has been defeated. <laughs> so let's I'm wearing go. the jersey, brother. Jeez, he is wearing the Jake Elliott jersey. So let's go to three words. At BGN underscore radio on Twitter. Ask our gentle listeners every week for three words about the game to describe what happened. I see my son chimed in, so he's staying up late. It's a school night. That's fantastic. Kissed underscore Simeon says... No such thing as a school night when the Eagles are playing a late game. That's I know. I know. I, I give him a pass He should get that. tomorrow off for what he just had to go through. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He says Brickhands Aguilar, so he's not happy with uh, with Aguilar as well. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty upset. I think with that's him too. our number one response. It's gonna be, yeah, Brickhands Nelly. Nelly dropped it. There's some different ones though. Get Minka Fitzpatrick from I Will underscore Yams with two S's. Get Minka. I mean, I've been there, brother. Yeah, I don't I, think he would have <laughs> solved the day, but, but I think Minka helps the defense a fair bit. Teddy Biryani at TJ Biryani says his ribs broke, which. 
kind of goes to my theory that there's something more going on there. Big ups to uh, Luna at PEW Fishing, who hopefully is is a regular listener, because if so, this is funny. Sent don't fire Schwartz, which at week one, I complained about the fact that we have never not gotten a fire Jim Schwartz, three words. And so Luna really wanted to come back over the top on me, and I appreciate that. And also another one that I liked... Not liked, but I found, you know, clever was Zach at Zach underscore WGAS says the blue tent, which obviously, as we know, the red hat and the blue tent and whatever, so on and so forth. But like I said, the Eagles cycled more people through the concussion protocol than the average team like throws balls to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was Verdun in there, man. I don't know. They had that many tents, to be honest with you. They had to. (laughs) Micah Ruse asks, Micah Ruse asks, is everyone okay? Question mark. (laughs) Good question. Not sure. Shane Half at underscore half and half. That's H-A-F-F. 2.3 yards per carry. Yeah, this run game has got to get going at some point. And look, Jordan Howard is the disciplined runner. That's not exciting. Miles Sanders is the undisciplined runner. That is exciting. And that's a weird balance that you kind of have to figure out what you want to be, what you want from your offense. But either way, 2.3 yards per carry. And I'm sure when I go and chart it, you know, I care less about yards per carry than I do success rate in certain situations. But this is this is not with a lead towards the end of the game. You're just trying to grind it out. This is we need to go win this thing. And we need some help from our doggone running game to put us in plus situations when we run on first and second down. And that definitely did not happen tonight. And there's a few tweets that are of this of this vibe. I'll just quote one from at Jack P. Lamb, who says the first half. There's other that said things like first half points, first quarter points. This is a big thing that was a big thing last year, and I really don't think we have to make it a big thing this year. I think it's a little early for that. Um, The Eagles had 10 out of their 16 games last year. They had no first quarter points, which is a lot more significant, in my opinion, than two out of two. They went three and seven in those 10 games, which obviously, you know, the Eagles, I believe, went nine and seven in the regular season. Did they go 10 and no, they lost seven games, so they couldn't have gone ten and six. Yeah, the Eagles pretty much lost. If they were gonna lose a game, it was gonna be without scoring first quarter points. Yeah. They're now one and one after two games without scoring first quarter points. But the thing you have to remember with the first quarter points thing is again like the first game against the Redskins, in which the Eagles deferred and they, they got the ball inside the second half. The Eagles had two drives in the first quarter that right, ended in the first quarter. Yeah. Right. Their third drive ended in a field goal. Mm-hmm. So it, against the Redskins, it was a three and out off of, you know, the, the Deshaun Jackson penalty and then the, the the failed fourth down attempt. This time it was a punt from the Eagles 45 and then an interception thrown from the Falcons 45. Now, the Eagles did not have a ton of, of yardage on offense. I'm not here to tell you their offense was great in the first quarter. It was and obviously a good offense. You probably score points. But when we say first quarter, we think that like there's a ton of opportunity and there isn't. That's four drives mm-hmm. that the Eagles have not scored points on. Yeah. Four total drives. It's okay. It's okay. It's really okay. Yeah. Especially when they've shown the ability to be explosive. Right. If it's something to be concerned about, we'll find out later yeah. in the season when they're still not scoring <laughs> points in the first quarter. But for right, right now, like, Let's not it, have it's, that just, I, it's not a huge concern for me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Fun little fight in the uh, in, in the mentions here. Gingerbeard11 says, fire medical staff. Rob Diesel fires back with Gingerbeard three words, not three words, eight different times, because Gingerbeard did have a lot of responses. <laughs> Gingerbeard fires back, find this. Fires back with, you aren't my boss, and then Rob Diesel sucks. So I thought that was an interesting <laughs> little exchange. That was fun. Nobody mentioned the picket fence defense in the three words, and I would like for some respect to be shown. They ran it right. twice. It worked magically 
both times. So no criticism for Schwartz, at least with the picket mm-hmm. fence defense, which will live on forever, no matter what we say, because the Eagles defense really never changes, no matter what we say. Ben, right. anything else from you? Got dirty birded from at Weichelm Wright, which okay, is a testament gross. to the commercial that was put out, which I appreciated. Uh, I didn't um, see that. Okay. The 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 the, the dirty birds, the Falcons. Oh, no. That was that so one. That was so gross. Yeah. Yes. That was offensive. Um, and then our cousin Vinny at the big kit says Wentz has it in all caps. And I appreciate that because this yeah. was, while it will not be remembered as such because it was not a win, this was quite the performance from Carson Wentz. All right, Ben. I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Kisten Solak Show. Would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners? Thank you. As always, for listening to the Kiston Solak Show, we had our first win recap last week. We had our first loss recap this week. It was a tough one. It was a zany one. It was a weird one. It was a fun one. It was a heartbreaking one. But we're back next week. Uh, as the All-22 comes out, it can be weird to break down, considering that we won't really be able to tell you, you know, like how the Eagles used Deshaun, because the Eagles' game plan was not what it was. It's going right. to be interesting to figure out what 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 we can glean from the All-22, what performances we can evaluate, but we will. And we'll be back with that show in the middle of next week as the film comes out. Of course, uh, we'll pre- prepare you for the Detroit Lions as well on the Kiston Soul Like Show. Two shows, as is customary. One offense against defense, another defense against offense. Those will come out at the end of the week in preparation for Sunday. Jimmy Kemsky and Brandon Lee Gow in May Thank He Forever Rain. The new co-host pair of BGN Radio main show will have their thoughts live from uh, the game where they were at Atlanta. They were at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, so they'll provide their thoughts and their context from the locker room availability and whatnot. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. We will talk to you later this week. We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles fly. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.